Hello, and uh, hello to my co-host on this series. I love talking collectibles with Heidi from Costume Co. How's it going, Heidi? Oh, it's going great. I am so happy to be here. This is going to be such a blast. It certainly is. Thank you, everyone in the chat, for joining us on this very special uh, Scarif Live. We usually do these shows on Saturdays, um, but... uh, we had such a, a good time talking to uh, Megan from uh, Prop Store um, last. Uh, when was it? Last weekend? Last. Uh, last I think it was days. a week ago, wasn't it? I think it was a week yeah, ago today. Absolutely. So uh, a lot of fun talking about collectibles and uh, some of the items that uh, they are auctioning off. Um, I'm getting. You know what? I'm getting my credit card ready because I I'm gonna. I want some of those things. I want to add something to my collection back here. So that would be great. Um, out of all the items that we talked about on your show, Heidi, what would one of the items that you be looking forward to having in your collection? Uh, well, as much as I love the Leia costume, I think it would be the Rick Deckard because that's my favorite movie oh, of yeah. all time. Yes. Um, Blade Runner is my ultimate favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So, And my husband. So we, he would enjoy it as well. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. There's, uh, I think uh, the Prop Store account posted uh, a spacesuit. I think it's from... I think it's from one of the alien movies and I looked at it and it's such a uh, wonderful outfit. I, I, I tweeted that I would wear that around the house on a regular basis. Yeah. I think it was it's Prometheus. So cool. Was it not? Yes. Yes. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, really, it's, really... it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful suit too. Like very, yeah. very streamlined, very modern contemporary looking. Absolutely. And um, talking about your show, I'm going to drop the audio from last week's show. Uh, into our pod uh, podcatchers in order for people to enjoy it. You know, some people are not YouTube people. They like just to kind of listen to the show as they're driving to and fro and uh, we'll, uh, we'll allow them to do that. So uh, we're going to do that with this show as well um, once we get started. But I wanted to uh, say thank you to everybody in the chat. Thank you guys for joining us on this Tuesday night, Tuesday evening. Um some of the items that we selected um, are really cool. I mean, I think all of the items we selected are really cool. And and like last time, I know we were looking through the catalog and I was just like, my jaw was on the floor. I was typing up, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at that. Let's just put it all on the table here. But, you know, obviously we had to kind of narrow it down. There's a couple of things that I'm really excited to talk to to uh, to Chuck about when we uh, introduce him. But uh, one of the things I'm going to give a, uh, a quick little preview to our chat about some of the things that we're going to be talking about. And obviously, mm-hmm. um, Star Wars is uh, close uh, to my heart, dear, uh, close and dear to my to my being. Basically, um, we've got a um, an X-Wing from the uh, from the Icons company, which uh, I know we all have a little story about Icons, but I'll I'll save that for later. And uh, my friend uh, Kane and I. Uh, we're really um, fans of the Terminator franchise. Still, I am obviously. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the T eight hundred bust Terminator two Judgment Day, which is awesome. Um, really looking forward to that. And it's funny because um, my I mentioned my my um, he's like a brother, like uh, my brother from another mother. Um, we used to do makeup and stuff in, in, in high school and stuff like that. And he, I remember he made um, himself look like this. T-800, which was awesome back in the day. Um, with I think Mayfield. that's my favorite Terminator movie, too. I think yeah. I really love it. it. It It's got a lot of action, but it's also really funny. 
Absolutely. Um, some of the other items are great. I mean, we're we're going to be talking about Lucille from the, the Walking Dead. And uh, this one is an interesting one. I don't know if people remember the failed attempt at a new Superman movie um, by uh, Tim Burton. And I know everybody remembers um, Nicolas Cage in the Superman suit. So uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, Superman lives uh, emblems that were created uh, for uh, pre-production. And I know there's a ton of Lego fans. We have got uh, a very rare look. We're going to have a very rare look at the George Lucas and the Greedo Han shot first uh, Lego figures. I really have. I, I've got a couple of questions uh, about these pieces because, uh, you know, you see a lot of reproductions around the Internet and on eBay and stuff like that, the secondary market. But I want to um, I'll ask Chuck um, regarding these figures. Uh, hopefully he'll have a, a little story for us. But I know they're very rare. Very That's rare some propaganda on Greedo's shirt, by the way. That's been yes, propaganda. That's true. Very <laughs> I wouldn't trust so. anything he says. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's uh, let's find out. Um, I have a fun fact, actually, about his jacket. Uh, just a wardrobe okay. costume note. Uh, his jacket is actually exactly the same as the jacket that Luke wears at the end of the first Star Wars movie, the ceremonial jacket. They're both motorcycle jackets. Like, oh, um, nice. And then you'll notice that Poe Dameron wears those in, um, uh, in the other shows, like in the later force awakens, trilogy yeah. the force awakens yes yeah absolutely that's cool and i, I remember reading uh, a story specifically about luke's ceremonial jacket um they found it at a thrift store yeah, yeah it's like it's it was like a vintage motorcycle i, I love that one too because it's kind of like a buttery yellow which is really yeah. unusual yeah yeah excellent all right we're gonna bring chuck out after this i'm gonna do a warm-up on my uh, adult beverage and uh, we'll be right back <laughs> This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. And we welcome Chuck Costas from Prop Store. How's it going, sir? Good to be on the show, guys. Uh, I know you guys had a lot of fun with Megan. Hopefully I can be almost as much fun. <laughs> uh, we've got some fun things to talk about today. But thank you. Thank you all for tuning in and talking props with us. Excellent. Yeah, we are uh, very excited. Um, Heidi and I connected on the internet, and I know, uh, you know, mom and dad always say, don't make friends on the internet, but uh, they were pretty wrong in this case. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that I've well, made so online. Far, so far, yeah, so, so far. far, so far, yes, yes. Absolutely. We, yeah, we're, we were fast friends, I was saying, and now look at us. We're just like streaming together, right. geeking out together, nerding yeah. out together. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the great thing about collectibles. They bring people together. They yeah, do. they d absolutely do. I think, uh, you know, when I, um, you know, when I talk to people about not only movies, but, you know, just props and costumes and all that stuff um, behind the scenes. And it's one of the things that I really enjoy, you know, talking to to friends and talking to other podcasters is really the the stuff that that is um, far beyond just the story of the films and the movies because there's so much work that is uh, put into filmmaking before, you know, one frame of film ever gets shot. And I think um, 
for me, that is one of the aspects of Star Wars specifically that got me to not only enjoy the movies, but it it um, it uh, it kind of guided me with career choices. I am a I am a, a, a photographer. I am a you know a documentary you know maker. I, I I do graphics. I edit. So all that stuff that those guys were doing at ILM back in the early seventies. I wanted to learn as much as I I could. I read everything about it. I watched all the documentaries. I said, you know what? Besides the the laser swords and the spaceships, all that stuff that those guys and and, and women were doing behind the scenes, that's the type that's the type of stuff that I want to do as in in my in my career. Um, and my wife tells me I'm very lucky because I haven't had I haven't worked a day in my life. I enjoy what I do. <laughs> yes, well, that's how I feel every day working here at the prop store. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a treasure to be able to sort of curate these auctions and see these things, learn things, learn new things about movies that you know sometimes I knew as much as I thought I knew about them, and now I, I know I'm I, I think I've learned more. Yeah, we did. We did ask. We asked Megan last time um, if uh, you know you have to be a little bit of a, of a movie fan, a film buff. But does it make you even more? Do you dive into more stories? Does it give you more appreciation? I do. Uh, for what I do for the company, I'm VP of business development. So I work with a lot of our studio partners. And as we're talking about different projects, it, it allows me to dive into the latest seasons of, for instance, Star Trek Picard and uh, Better Call Saul and watch everything from beginning to end. So I really understand it as as the fans out there understand it. And I think it's given me a greater appreciation to, to be able to focus on those types of things. And as we come to these auctions as well, you know, I just rewatched uh, the Big Lebowski. We have a number of different items for the Big Lebowski in this in this auction. So it was, it's go it's good to go be able be able to go back watch that with a different lens on it and know what props we have and you know sort of know that okay that's a that's a fake stunt version that they're using there uh, and uh, oh you know there's got to be a couple of those crumpled up homeworks because that one's got a rip on it and then later on it doesn't have a rip on it. So you notice all these little things that seeing the props first. Uh, you know, gives you insight into that you wouldn't have noticed if you were just watching the movie. Absolutely. I, I am going to um, ask you a specific question about uh, Lucille when we get to, to that prop. Okay. Um, because I did notice uh, some, you said that sometimes you notice some differences and I, I, I wanted to ask you about them. Um, well, I did get up to season 10. I think I was halfway through <laughs> it. So I don't know if I know this particular episode. I started watching all the way up. I was hoping to get to season 11, but, uh, but anyway, we'll get to, to, to Lucille in just a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about prop store. I know you guys are, uh, you know, a high end auction house, uh, located in Los Angeles and the UK. Is that right? Tell us, tell us a little bit about more, uh, the store. Yeah, I think we, uh, it's a company that started 25 years ago. Stephen Lane is the founder. It actually started in the UK out of London, uh, because there was a large filmmaking industry going on there. Uh, Stephen was a collector slash hunter that was looking for items, big fan of Star Wars like yourself. And he realized that after these movies wrapped up, you know, he always wondered what happened to this stuff. So, so he started on his quest uh, looking for Star Wars items. And because Star Wars was filmed in London, he was lucky enough to, to have found a number of different things, things that were returned back to the costume rental houses, uh, you know, things that were ended up with crew members, et cetera. Uh, but then he realized making contacts within the industry that he could get uh, other things from other properties. And that became an online business that he ran for a number of years. Um, in 2007, Prop Store opened its LA office, which is where we are today, uh, realizing that 
you know, most of the studios have a larger presence even in Los Angeles. And so we started working uh, here in, in Los Angeles. Brandon Allinger, who's our COO, was the one that started that up. Uh, I joined personally about five years ago and Prop Store got into auctions, as, you, as you're calling us an auction house. Thank you very much. But we are a combination of online. You can go to our buy now platform at propstore.com. But you can also join our auctions. And, and this is what we call a multi-consigner auction. It's our we do a large one out of uh, the Los Angeles office here in June. And we'll do another one in November out of our London office. And for this, we've assembled over 1400 items. Uh, from over 500 different titles, both film and television. But throughout the year, we also do other things. We have poster auctions. We'll do those twice a year out of LA and we'll do other ones out of, out of London. Uh, and then we'll also do studio auctions, as I alluded to, where we might do a dedicated auction for Better Call Saul. We've got uh, The Expanse uh, that is coming up very soon for that. So uh, throughout the year, we stay very busy and give collectors out there an opportunity to take home uh, a piece of their favorite film or television show. Uh, and usually it's, it's the props, costumes, set deck items that were used as part of those productions. So it's, so it's very cool and a, and a unique opportunity and a collectible feel that frankly hasn't, um, you know, a lot of people don't even know you can collect this stuff yet. So I think we're out there to spread the word that yes, you, you can own a, 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 an actual piece of your favorite film or television show. I love it. It's amazing. You know, here in Chicago, we have the, um, the old Michael Jordan Steakhouse restaurant. It's a four-level building. Um, he has uh, left the 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 building. Obviously, it's it's for rent. Um, and uh, Chuck, I need some investors because we need to put some of my stuff in that building and start charging admission <laughs> to come and see it. Because, <laughs> well, I tell my wife I need another apartment just so I can get stuff out of our house and and do it in a place uh, where it's not going to harm anybody. But no, it's uh, great to be able to display these things in your house if you've got a home theater. Uh, if you've got the space, you, you have the luxury of putting out costumes and some of the larger items. But just for the average everyday person, even if you've got an office, uh, some of these smaller things, such as the Lego figures that we're going to look at here, are great uh, pieces that you can you can just talk to people about that are they can sit on your desk and create that great conversation starter. Absolutely. We have a, a quick question from uh, Megan, one of our friends in the chat um, for you. Are there any pieces that you have bought so that you can keep for yourself? What what are some of the things that uh, that you like collecting? Uh, I there's a couple things. So one, I guess one of my prized possessions is a whip from uh, the second Indiana Jones film. Nice. Love that one. And that is one that uh, my wife and I sort of agree on. So that. Wow. That Amazing. Proudly. That that's that that is the true test. Uh, not to say everything. Uh, the other thing she doesn't agree as much from. I'm a big Marvel fan, specifically the Punisher. So years ago, and when I started getting back into props, there was an auction selling things from Tom Jane's Punisher movie, and I bought his uh, bullet-ridden riddled vest from the very end of the movie that he hangs up when he goes out the door, and that screen matches uh, to that final scene. And knowing that I have that one was just a huge joy. And uh, you know, from, this is very frankly, something that even till today, I still get giddy about having it in my office. Very I think nice. Megan said she had something from The Punisher as well. Uh, we did. Yes, we did an auction for Marvel's The Punisher most recently. And oh. there were items that we offered, uh, including stuff from Billy Russo, which I think she may be alluding to. But yes, the new the new Punisher uh, was also a great television series, Marvel's The Punisher. And hopefully we'll see John Bernthal back. There's rumors that he might be coming back and the mm -hmm. new Daredevil series that's coming out. But and of course, Thomas Jane was in uh, was in the Expanse. So maybe you'll, I don't he know was. if you're going to have any of his costumes in your we, upcoming we definitely auction. Will. 
Yes. I'm going to be doing a little bit of a tease there. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to be doing. Uh, we're going to do a, a live stream with Megan about that. We've already worked yes, it out. Her, so <laughs> she is the expanse expert on all that. She has been spending months and months going through putting those costumes together, and there are some fantastic things that we'll be offering. But before that, we've got this great auction where we've mm -hmm. got, like I said, a, a bunch of different things from a whole bunch of different properties. So the great thing about our auctions. I also want people out there to know that we do think about, yes, not everything that we talk about today might be, you know, ten, tens of thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars, but there are items that are in the hundreds of hundreds of dollars and or low thousands of dollars that hopefully are collectible and affordable to more, more people out there. We don't pride ourselves on just being the quote unquote high end auction uh, collectibles market, which only caters to folks that are, you know, millionaires or billionaires. We believe this is a hobby for everyone. And so we do want people at all spectrums and all buying levels to be able to jump into this great hobby and build your collection. And that's why we also have our buy now platform at ProStore.com, where we have a number of different items, typically under a thousand dollars, where you can get started your, you know, with with buying things for your collection. Very nice, very nice. So let's get started. Let's uh, start talking about uh, some of the items that we selected tonight. Um, where do you want to start, Chuck? Why don't we start with the, uh, since you're a Star Wars fan, let's start with the X-Wing that I've got over here to yeah, my absolutely. left, you're right. Uh, and I'm, I'm just, we've all got some interesting stories about that. So um, let me, I guess, start the story and feel free to add to this. So this is a replica. So I'll start with that. Um, this is an X-Wing fighter. This is similar to the models that you would have found on set, but it was made after production for the collectibles market. And to give you a little bit of history around the company that made this, which is Icons, they were really one of the first companies that had made uh, props specifically for the collector's market. They started in the mid to late 90s. Uh, I believe this was actually made in 1996 and was one of the very first products that they brought to market. It was based off of the original models. Uh, this particular one was owned by Dave Johnson, who was one of the original Star Wars model makers and got one of these. Uh, and last year we had a very similar pyro version of this X-Wing. It was around the same size and had a lot of the same uh, features to it. We sold an actual one used in the movie that was screen matched for $2.375 million. Wow. Um, so we'll pause on that. And I know that's out of most people's uh, range, which is why they started making these replica models back in the 90s. Because A, you know, most people never even had access to these in, in the 90s. Uh, but B, nobody was going to be able to afford sort of what a real one cost. And and these are fantastic. They've got um, a lot of the wear that you would hope. They, they painted on battle damage to this. It's got a lot of uh, you know, burn marks on it. It's got the you know, red leader. Uh, it's got the little stripes on the, on the side. This looks like red five as opposed to red one or red three. Um, Very nice. And it's mounted on a base that was modeled after the Death Star. So this is from the trenches, I believe. This is trying to give the feel as if you're on the trenches, but this is a practical base to it. So it helps the, the model stand, but it looks a lot like the, the actual trench pieces that you would find that were used to make the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Death Star back in the day. Very nice. And this is the, actually the first time I'm seeing this item in relationship to anything else. I usually see it, you know, solo, uh, no pun intended, but it's it's um, it's actually bigger than I imagined it to be. Well, and this, like I said, there are different size models. There are smaller ones that they would have used on set, um, and those are usually kit model. You, you would have seen them build this. 
This is the size of the one that we sold last year. And I would imagine there was even larger ones of it. So it, from a collector standpoint, they chose the right size to have a, a great presence to it. It's probably, I'm, I'm thinking about 18 inches long uh, and about 14 inches wide, if I can do my math correctly here. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful piece. And in 1997, if you were a fan of going to the mall, you may have seen one of these at Sharper Image. At least that's where I started seeing these types of things. Back in, in 96, 97, when they were relaunching the Star Wars films, you started seeing a number of different Star Wars collectibles or high-end collectibles coming out. The other thing that we have in the auction is, is one of the elusive concepts, replicas of the Han Solo and Carbonite, which is also a very incredible piece. And we've, and we've got a great example of that in the auction as well. Um, but this came with, you could either buy the X-Wing or the TIE Fighter. We actually have both of them in the auction itself. Uh, and this one was numbered number 1200 out of 1977. Uh, nice. And so that was the, you know, obviously 1977, the year that they launched Star Wars. So they thought that would be kind of neat. What's interesting when they make these numbers up, though, it doesn't mean that that was number 1200 that ran off the press, so to speak. Uh, sometimes they would arbitrarily choose numbers or if people requested different numbers, they might run them out of order. So there's no guarantee that icons actually made all 1977 of these. In fact, I, I don't believe they actually did. So there's probably fewer than that that are out there. Uh, Chuck, I have a question for you. Who's in the cockpit? Is it is it Luke? <laughs> let, let me get my glasses far, on a look. I know it's far away, but. Uh, I. I believe it probably is Luke. It's, it's definitely got the orange jumpsuit and it's got mm -hmm. the uh, the rebel helmet on there. I can't see the face on it because he does have his mask mm -hmm. on as well. So I think it could be Luke. I think it's up to your imagination. You choose sure. your favorite rebel pilot in the in the cockpit, but they do have a little a little guy there in the cockpit. Yeah, it looks like and they've mounted it to a nice base of some kind, like a shiny lacquered base. They did. And there, there's actually uh, down off to the side. And Charlie, I don't know if you can pan down to that, but they actually have a um, acrylic case that goes on top of this so it can keep it from oh, gathering nice. dust and protects it. Um, but the, the black base you, and you can actually put it comes with a, um, a plaque, which this one is mm -hmm. still unused and that it still has the tape un, uh, unstuck on the back of it. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to, you could mount this to the bottom of it, which is what some people did. But some people just kept them in their main condition. And it also comes with the original paperwork, which is also great to see, mm -hmm. including the vault, which was, this was volume number one. So this was an early, as I said, icons came out with a number of different replicas over time. They, they worked first with the Star Wars franchise, then they moved on, did things with Jurassic Park. They did things with the Terminator franchise. Um, and and uh, ultimately they planned to do a lot more but there are some stories about icons that we can we can probably get into, and I've got my own personal. But this comes with the very first issue of the vault, so that tells us it's early. Uh, it does come with a certificate that is signed and dated 1996, and then it comes with a letter uh, care about your 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 acrylic cover on the back, and uh, it comes with a, a nice envelope as well. So, and then it's also got a business reply card, which I thought was funny because you can register your replica with the 20th Century Fox archives. Oh, very cool. Not sure you could still do that nowadays, yeah. but I thought it was interesting to make it make it super official that you are the owner of a you know replica prop. Mm -hmm. Very nice. That's a good that's a good point because um uh Ro, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but someone in the chat, Skywalker's Academy, says I'm always suspicious of the Star Wars memorabilia. I know Lucasfilm doesn't get rid of anything, so I wonder how much of it is hot. So 
<laughs> you guys don't. Well, sell I can talk a con. little bit about that. Okay, I would sure. Say for the yeah, so let's talk about so especially in 1977, and I think okay. this even holds true to somewhat today, is that pieces in 1977 they didn't know this movie was going to be big when they made it. And when they typically, even today, when they're done with the production, they are looking to get rid of things off of the set. So you can call it hot, but in many cases, as with the Princess Leia dress, it may have been given or taken by a cast member just because otherwise it was going to be thrown out into a dumpster bin. Now, an X-Wing model like this may not have been. And I would say a lot of them probably ended up with the model makers themselves, people that were working in that department. Um, but a lot of the stuff they didn't retain. Uh, Lucas obviously does have an archives. I think they still do have some stuff from Star Wars, but they didn't try to retain everything, especially from that first movie. Um, so so I, I think the rumors that everything is quote unquote stolen, not necessarily true. They used to do parking lot sales sometimes after the fact, after a movie was done to sell items. Uh, and again, they would typically give them or gift them to potentially actors, potentially other people that were working on this as part of the, the casting crew. Very nice. Yeah. And um Quick story, when I went to the Smithsonian, they had a Star Wars exhibit traveling. I think it was the power of myth. Uh, yes, I, I went there, yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm in D.C. With, with a buddy. We run through the exhibit, and obviously it conveniently empties out into the gift store, so you can buy something, um, of course. Um, we separated, and by the time I came back, um, I was carrying a, a, a box, like, a small box, medium sized box. And, and I had this really look of, of dread on my, on my face. And I told, and my, my friend is like, what, what happened? What did you do? I said, I bought my first lightsaber and it was a thousand dollars. And it was, <laughs> it was the icons, Darth Vader lightsaber autograph signed by, by James Earl Jones. That yes, one or the regular. Signed, yes. Signed wow, by James Earl very Jones. Cool. And I still I have, have that. Um, yeah. But icons is no longer around. Is that correct? No. So there is sort of a sad story about icons and, and a, and a be, buyer beware story. So icons um, was, I guess, a little bit notorious. So if you looked at their catalogs, when it started getting to the second catalog, they would always pre-sell items in their catalog. So for instance, I can tell you my own personal story. I had signed up to buy a Terminator 2 arm that was advertised. I think the retail price on it was $9.95. If you ordered it early, I believe the price was $6.95. So sounds like a great deal. So I had ordered mine in advance. And I was I was a big fan of icons. I would go to a lot of the conventions that they were go to on the East Coast. Uh, I, I think I went to the Chiller Show and they had they had premiered some items such as a Rocketeer helmet that they planned on making and other things. So when I got I, I visited California one time, I said, Hey, can I stop by icons and, and see what it's all about? And they were kind enough to invite me in. And that day, I remember seeing the Terminator arms coming off the assembly line. And I think it was number three, number four, with some early numbers. And I'm like, hey, I actually paid you guys for one of these. Can I, can I just go ahead and collect mine today? And they're like, for a second, they were going to give it to me. And then they're like, no, 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 no. But we'll send you yours next week. Um, week goes by. Months goes by. Six months goes by. No response as to where it was. Uh, and then I call them. I was like, look, guys, you guys, I was going to take one that day. What happened to it? And they're like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. But for your trouble, we'll send you a Terminator skull, you know, just for your trouble. We're making these additional Terminator skulls and you can have one of those. So they sent me a voucher for that as well. Well, a year goes by, wow. year and a half goes by. I, I hear that Icons is in trouble. So allegedly, and I, I don't want to you know, overstate this, but allegedly 
they had been using the money to sort of prepay, you know, that they were people were prepaying and using that to pay the the employees and the current bills, and in some cases never quite delivered on their thing. So there's a lot of lawsuits around icons. Eventually they they went under uh, master replicas came out next. I believe they bought the molds and were re and producing some of the things like the lightsabers very quickly after that looked very similar to the icons ones. But the icons were the first. And from a collectability standpoint, I still believe that there's a market for these being innovators in this market. Although they had a storied past, they had a storied ending. Um, I do believe they were really quality products. And if you can find them, they were you know fantastic pieces like this one. And I do believe because they never made all the addition sizes that I that they were promising to make, they are even more limited than collectors believe. So it's worth picking up. And as you can probably attest with your lightsaber, it's still pretty cool. And they got you know folks like James Earl Jones and Mark Hamill to sign these things. I believe when I was there that day, Richard Hatch was signing things for oh, a wow. line of Battlestar Galactica jackets nice. that I saw them making, but never made it out into the world. So <laughs> There's a lot of icons product uh, products out there that never quite got made that are very cool. Very nice. And you know the uh, my icons Darth Vader lightsaber. You're right, is still pretty damn cool. And I do have the master replicas version of it. And the icons is built a little better. Um, it's built a little tougher, and you can really tell. I mean, there's similarities to it, but I really really love my icons uh that's one of the first you know real world um uh collectibles that i that i acquired you know something you know i felt like it was museum quality it came in, a, in an acrylic case it was uh it's it's sitting right there i'm looking at it right now it's still a beautiful thing to to mm -hmm. see Chuck, awesome. I yeah i had one say... of those i regret oh, telling it yeah no go ahead Chuck Chuck, I was just going to say this sort of brings back to and I this is one of the things I love about my channel is that it's not just the collectibles themselves, but oftentimes the stories behind the collectibles yes. that are so fascinating. Like I think something like and I got this from, you know, years ago watching what is that uh, uh, that trade show that was antique roadshow, I should say, when, you know, if something had a story, it oftentimes had more value. Or do you find that? Uh, I do think the story, you know, when I when I look at my own personal collection, almost every piece has either a personal story or a story behind the production that it was made for that I can tell people. And that's what interests me and, and probably hooks me into why I want that particular piece. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what we're all about is telling stories. And that's the great thing about doing these auctions is every piece has a story, an interesting story to tell uh, or discover, you know, and there's probably things that you guys know that I don't know and vice versa as we have these conversations about these pieces. And I think, again, being collectors and bringing collectors together to talk about them, that's the great thing that can happen is that everybody can share their insights and, and the story gets even broader. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's move on to that T-800 bust um, <laughs> right next to the X-Wing. Tell us a little bit yep. about that. Oh, we, Chuck has to do this in an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, yeah. accent. I, I will do my best, though. So this Arnold. is the Arnold Schwarzenegger um, Terminator 2. No, I don't want to do my bad Arnold. <laughs> I used to do that back in the day, but I was even thinking this morning I shouldn't try to do an Arnold. Um, but this no, this T-800 was um, made for the production. And this was a, uh, if you look at it, it's it, for those that are, are not following along on YouTube, it's a version of it where a part of the T-800, which is the, the robot itself, is exposed, but you have the majority of Arnold Schwarzenegger's face on it and his eye is, is showing through 
You've still got his hair, but a part of his hair is off. And frankly, his skull is sort of melting away. And so the skin on his skull, it's a great piece. It sounds gruesome, but it's a great piece of artwork here. And this relates to um, the uh, end of the movie where he goes into the acid pit and gets dissolved. So the, the way that this is made is not only a face, it's not only prosthetics that's on top of a uh, Terminator skull, but it includes a portion of the jacket as well. And it's a, it feels like a real leather jacket that they, they had mounted this to, to make it look like a full Arnold Schwarzenegger end of Terminator 2 figure, except it's just the bust and up. Um, I, I, I guess questions that come to mind as you, as you look at who, um, who created the sculpture? Is that a Stan Winston? This is. So this is Stan Winston Studios, which is now Legacy Effects. For those that, that don't know over there, they, Stan Winston had made uh, most of the effects for the Terminator films, as well as other famous films out there. Um, and this was, you know, I believe it started, and a lot of these start as um, reference models. And so they try to figure out what is this going to look like. Uh, our copy team did some research on this. And ultimately, they may have used this. I think we have some screenshots in there where they may have used this in the film for special effects shots where they couldn't actually use Arnold, the actor, and they needed to use something uh, where he's, he's being sort of crushed towards the end. Uh, the eye, there is an illuminated eye that is part of this. Um, the wires, though, were cut after production, so we don't know 100% if the eye works, but it looks like it could have lit up and... If you buy this, the odds are you can probably find an electrician that can that can illuminate it for you, um, and nice. it would make a great display. But yeah, I mean, Stan Winston Studios was really sort of the top notch, especially in the '90s. Before they were doing CG in this movie, and I think that the groundbreaking effects with um, was it T1000, I believe, correct? Yes, which was this, the silver liquidy looking one. I, I just remember that those special effects blew my mind. But the things that they were able to do with the T800 you know, or miles above what they were able to do in the first Terminator film as well. So uh, this, you know, I think as a film, I think Heidi, you had alluded to this in the beginning, people do love Terminator 1. There are some mm -hmm. amazing jackets and other things from Terminator 1, but I, I think most people that are prop or movie collectors would say Terminator 2, I've got to have something from that. Usually it's the leather jacket. Uh, we have sold some arms. And I mean, I think the Terminator arm that they made a replica for on icons is also a great piece, but there aren't that many of those out there. There were a ton of jackets, as you can imagine, because he gets shot up you know, throughout the end of that movie. And every time that they blow a new hole in those jackets, they have to have a change for Arnold. Um, but the pants on those, and Heidi, you may know this, they're kind of like a leatherette that, 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 disintegrate so they're actually it's hard mm -hmm. to find good pants for that particular costume yeah i was going to ask you though with everyone's fear about ai are are terminator products at an all-time <laughs> like desired amount like compared to other auction items because uh, we like, shall terrified, see. right of ai <laughs> uh you know it is funny how do these things do come around and james cameron really laid the groundwork for what we're going through at least over the last month and probably will go through over the next few years yeah terminator 2 predicted the downfall of the human race thanks to ai uh i don't know if we've seen that but I, you know I, I have been thinking about that myself and it does make me you know realize just how much genius was put into terminator 2 and the storyline behind that one and, and it doesn't seem like we're uh paying attention as a society 
<laughs> no, well, it was um, uh, Chuck. I'm from Toronto, and the uh, father of AI is from Toronto, and he says he regrets it. <laughs> so when the father well, of AI regrets it, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I guess when we start seeing time travel in the in the next few years, mm -hmm. and we start going back in time and changing things, we'll see what we end up changing. Now this that. makes me want to go off and yeah. binge all the uh, Terminator movies. Yeah, we'll start with one and two. I'll do one and start with one and two. Yeah, there are. I guess six was the the latest one. Dark Dark Fate was Terminator Six. I've so seen all of them. There, yeah, I've seen all of them. <laughs> but two for sure. We, and we favorite. did the official auction for Terminator Dark Fate. Not, not too oh, long you ago. did. Oh, great. Okay. We did. So we may. I think we even have some items from that auction or from that. I guess from that movie in this auction as well. Is the um, is the bus? Does it, it? It from the video here. It seems a little smaller than than human. Can you? Um, mm -hmm. Is is it? Uh, is it kind mm. of full Arnold size? Uh, put your, you know, put your head. Put your head next to uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If I if I go down like this, okay. The, the shoulders don't look as broad as you would expect Arnold to be. Right. So I would say from that perspective, no. That also being said is I've seen Arnold in real life at, 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 when I've been out at the restaurants and he's not as big as you ultimately think he should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Seems like this giant on screen. But when you see him in real life, he's a little bit uh, shorter. Now he's a little bit older than he was back in Terminator 2. And, and, uh, and, you know, he was in really great shape for this. So I would say, yes, it's a little bit smaller for the shots that they needed to do, but seems, you know, it, it maybe five, six of, of what the size should be. So it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know if they would have cast Arnold, like if they would have cast uh, uh, his body, like or his face and his shoulders to do this? Yes. They did. Yes. Okay. They would have made a life cast in order to be able to do this. Yes. Very, Very cool. cool. Very nice. Yes. All right. Let's um, let's move on to um, I uh, mentioned that, um, you know, back in what, what, what year was that? Uh, Tim Burton wanted to do a Superman movie. <laughs> And, 19, um, well, there was many years, 1997, as I believe, when, when Burton mm -hmm. was brought onto the project. Okay, raise your hand if you would have loved to have seen this movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge Nick Cage fan, so I would have loved to, <laughs> I'm going to raise my hand, I would have loved to have seen this movie. Uh, maybe not everyone in the chat would, but um, I certainly I, I think, think we it might would have been interesting. I, I think we might have dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Pers even personally. if it was a train wreck, I would have totally, I'd be there for it. Well, I I've read and I have not been to the latest Flash movie, but I do believe there is a bit of a MacGuffin in there oh. where Nicolas Cage makes a cameo appearance as a certain Man of Steel. So I, I, I need to go out and one. see if that is true. Yeah, but I, I believe they have paid homage to this this in the latest Flash film. Yeah, and we were talking about that with Megan last week too, because you know um, we have the uh, we have Batman. We have the Michael Keaton Batman in the new movie. And of course you have his costume in your collection as well. So we, do. I think we have two, we have a, oh, a you have Batman two. Okay. and a Batman two up for sale. Yes. That's yeah. Correct. Very cool. So let's talk about these emblems. Um, I was reading a little bit on your website. They were uh, produced for pre-production uh, costume fittings, that sort of thing. Tell us a little bit about uh, these mm -hmm. emblems. Sure. So to go back a little bit in history. So Kevin Smith was, was hired on Kevin Smith that, that did clerks and, and a number of other movies was hired to write that. Now he's a big comic book fan. He's written for comic books. Uh, and so he had written the, the original screenplay, I believe for Superman lives and uh, people that know there was a lot of conditions and the storyline was very frankly a little weird. It cast Brainiac and it had these, I think he, I think it was, 
there was like a, a battle with a polar bear at the fortress of solitude. I don't know. They had all these weird things that were that, that, that he was asked to add. I think they brought Tim Burton into the project later on in 1997. He agreed to make it. And these emblems, there was a, there was a documentary that was made in 2015 about the making of this film because it was so storied, because it was so weird. And I've actually seen uh, some of the, um, I guess, concept drawings from an artist friend of mine, and they're even weirder. They're like a very organic planets. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the fact that they were keeping in, at the end of the uh, movie, they were thinking, hey, we got to sell toys out of this, so we need to make sure we create it. So people's thoughts were all over the place about what this project was supposed to be. But as you said, they brought Nicolas Cage in in a later version. I can't remember who was originally cast as Superman. I think it was, uh, may have been Ben Affleck, strangely enough that they were thinking about casting in that role. But so Nicolas Cage is coming in. There's a scene in the 2015 documentary film of him going to a costume fitting. And they had tried on a number of different S emblems for his chest. And in that, you'll see a version of it that he tries on. And it's got like divots in his chest. And that's what these are here is these are one of those emblems that would go on the chest. But what's interesting is that oh, it does have yeah. this divot. Very that cool. You can see that they actually molded into the chest emblem mm -hmm. to make him look a little bit more muscular. So there's two different versions. The On each of these, they have different colors. This is kind of a yellow. This is kind of an orange. This has a black outline. This doesn't. So they tried different versions. Uh, these Chuck, are those, more of a, sorry to yeah. interrupt you. Are those made of like a rubber or like a, yes. a PVC or something? They're not PVC. It's a very, it's a very flexible Rub rubber yeah, flexible. here, but it's a very heavy rubber. Sure. And it, even on the outside, this is a different layer than than what they put on the inside yeah. of it. Yeah. So, so that would have been fused to whatever his eventual costume would have been. I gather. Yes. Okay. Very cool. Yes. And that's pretty typical. The, the ones that they use for the current movies, they usually have a layer of rubber sort of mounted they're actually sort of put into the fabric as well so they usually do have a rubberized texture to them mm -hmm. they don't they're not as heavy as this particular version but it's the same principle as what they would do or they have been doing with some of the more modern ones here you can see they were sort of worried about the joint and and, and trying to make that as pronounced as possible so they kind of split it to make sure that they could do that but each of these was a little bit different and these metallic versions are actually made of a different substance so this is more this is, is a harder substance, mm -hmm. uh, a harder plastic that they would have. And on the back, this one's sort of more of a black, or this one says sort of silver, but they would put different um, writings as to what they were trying out here. So they tried a number of different concepts with this. I, you know, I don't know if they ultimately ever did land on the final design for Nicolas Cage's costume. But when I was looking at that documentary, I always thought to myself, I'm like, the best thing about that movie are those... Superman emblems, very frankly, and I could have some of those. That would be the thing to collect from this movie. And lo and behold, they show up here at Prop Store. It that seems cool. weird that those those metallic ones would be used on the costume, though. They're so rigid. Yeah, I was gonna. Would... I was gonna ask. I mean, there was no contour to the chest. Mm -hmm. I mean, I might need some divots in in some of my clothing to make me look a little <laughs> more muscular. But that's well, another story. Yeah, keep in mind that there are two parts of the costume. So there's the chest emblem and then yeah. there's the cape on the back. And so oh, okay. at the time, the other thing to keep in mind is that um, The Death of Superman was a very popular comic book that had just come out and that this was based off of. And as part of that, there was a character named Steel that I believe uh, he may have gotten his own. I think was that the one with Shaq in it, too. But uh, there was another character named Steel. So they did a Steel version of Superman's costume or, or look for that as well. And so those may have been inspired 
by mm -hmm. what was going on in the death of Superman or his his the rebirth of Superman storyline that was going on in the comic books around the same time. Did you guys I, ever did you ever get a copy of the script in your collection? Like, has that ever appeared anywhere that to your knowledge? I'm or trying was, to think if I, I think we probably have because the like, you know, again, one of the illustrators that was working on it, he would have had a copy of that. That'd be so cool to be able to do that. But I never read mm -hmm. it. Uh, it would be kind of interesting. And there are rumors, you know, there keep being rumors of how it may live on in the future. I think they tried an animated version of it. They may have actually made the animated version. I think they were talking about bringing Nicolas Cage in to, uh, to voice, do the voiceovers for that. And that may have happened. But uh, as I said, I'm interested to see the new Flash movie to see what homage they pay, they, mm -hmm. they play to this particular moment in Superman history, the Superman movie that never was. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember I bought 10 of those uh, black bagged death of Superman comic <laughs> books because I was going to finance, uh, you know, the down payment of a house when I uh, grew up. Uh, but that never happened. Superman came back to life and uh, the rest is history. Well, they're starting to come back. If you get them yeah. graded and they're 9.8s, you might be yeah. might, might have a few bucks there. Chuck, who is your favorite superhero of all time? Am I putting you on the spot by asking you that? Oh, you are really putting my me on there. <laughs> I, I I was always a Punisher fan, but I would say Wolverine is also oh, okay, uh, great. a favorite of mine. We do have Wolverine claws in this auction yeah. as well. Are you a Hugh uh, Jackman, uh, Hugh Jackman Wolverine? I did. Fan? Okay. I liked Hugh Jackman's rendition mm -hmm. of Wolverine. I was very excited when those X-Men movies came out and continue to come out and looking forward to seeing him in Deadpool three. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. So moving on, we uh, are going to go to the small screen and uh, talk a little bit about Lucille, that uh, wonderful, mm -hmm. horrific bat that um, obviously yeah. generates fear. Um, but uh, let's talk. Fear the walking dead. Is that what you're saying? That's the wrong dead, series, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, so this this is Lucille here. Um, this, uh, as I, I, again, I sort of stopped with season 10, but I believe this was from an episode in season 10 where Lucille gets split in half. And it's hard to see because this has been mounted to the board, but Lucille has, you know, as most people know, Lucille has these barbed wires, which is what the, you know, the scariest part. And when we first see Negan introduced in The Walking Dead, it, it sort of, it, it is a signature weapon. But when Lucille gets broken, Lucille gets cracked in half. And I don't know if you guys can oh, see yeah, that. Can but see this that. Is really, yeah. yeah, it's half a bat. So this is this. Supposedly, this was one of three that the prop master made for this episode. Um, the great provenance on this is that it is signed by the prop master over here. It says prop master at the very bottom here. So you know who it's from. There's a special blood splatter effect, which anybody that <laughs> has watched the show, that's usually what where it ended up happening when Lucille came out. Um, and it's, it's just mounted on this board for, for display purposes. So you could, you could, you could also flip it around and show the split side of it if you prefer, but I prefer the, the uh, sort of darkened, uh, regular finish that you see on this side of the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you, cause the picture on your catalog has the split version up and, yes. um, I, um, I wasn't a, uh, a walking dead show watcher, but I do remember images of, uh jeffrey dean morgan coming out with the with the bat and it it never seems split to me but again i, I didn't watch the show but i i know a lot of people i love vaguely the remember the, 
yeah, that he smashes something and Lucille mm-hmm. does get damaged in season 10. But I, yeah, it's been in, in such in a the, while that I can't remember. It's, it. in, it's fully intact in the, in like, you know, in the scene with like when they're all in a circle that if I don't want to do any spoilers, if anybody hasn't seen, <laughs> um, but it's, and it's from the comic as well. But I have a question, Chuck. So is that yes. actually, uh, it's an actual wood bat or is it some other it is. fabric? Yeah. And is it actual it is. Uh, barbed wire? Um, it's yes and no. I think mm-hmm. the the barbs have been dulled. Okay. Even with my gloves on there, if I run my fingers over it, a little bit of a pickup sure. from this. But it's it is a, a safer version of barbed wire. Yeah. So they probably they might have had a rubber version, like or one with rubber yes. or something for for the actual action scenes. But for now, yes. I have a question for you, and this is something that I've seen come up in auctions. They oftentimes use the word hero. What mm-hmm. what does that mean when something well, is a say, hero? Probably right have, yeah, they probably have different definitions for it, but I'll give you my definition. Sure. Hero is is intended for close-up shots. So, you know, if I guess a lot of times they'll refer to hero or metal, you know, let's say Wolverine's claws. Mm-hmm. There were different versions of Wolverine's claws. There are metal ones, and they would call those hero in that if you ever did an up-close shot, they would do it. But for regular shots, um, most of those are made out of uh, resin. They're painted resin. And then the, the stunt version of those might be a painted rubber. So there are different versions. And, and usually the further away on camera that you are, the more you can get away with a quote unquote stunt version of this. So this again may have been used for hero purposes in that they wanted to show the cracking of the bat and show the, the wood grain that it had split in half. So in that case, real wood makes sense. So they wanna use as close to the, you know real material as possible. Um, it does not, some people use the word hero to also mean it was used on screen. That doesn't necessarily, I don't think that translates. We usually use the term screen matched when we can identify exactly that that particular piece was used on, you know, in a particular scene and it's seen on camera. And in, in certain scenes, you may see two or three different versions of it all spliced together into one scene. Um, and that, that's just the way that movie magic happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, magic. I know like a lot of like cosplayers, like someone who's trying to recreate a costume that is on screen or they they will oftentimes say screen match, meaning like that they're using the f- same fabric or same materials, I gather. Mm, is, uh, yeah. Well, like I said, screen match to us means I can look for a specific flaw. Like again, in the Princess Leia dress, I can look at the creases here in her belt and I can match those to a photo or the act. If I can take a, a mm-hmm. screenshot of the movie and I can match it exactly. That's what we mean by screen match. And that adds a lot of value to a prop or a costume. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have to, some of the people who work on your team have to be sort of like uh, Quincy, like forensics type people. <laughs> right. Quincy is an old term. Sorry. Uh, you know, <laughs> Google, Google it. Google yes. it, everyone. I remember the botulism um, episode of Quincy. Yes. That so was, you have great. to do a lot of forensics in a way. You have to do a lot do. of investigation, like Nancy Drewing uh, type thing to, to sort of, hey, like, you know, it, like, again, back to you're trying to tell a story here. This is, you know, as as we match this up to the camera or what to, what's on camera, we know for a fact that that is actually Leia's uh, screen match belt. And it's also yeah. a due, due diligence thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? You guys have of to course. do the research and make sure that it is what people are purporting it to be. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of different layers of due diligence. I think the first thing that we have to confirm when an item walks in the door is how did it get off of production into the hands of the person that now has it? We really try to track it back as much as possible to prove it as an authentic item. But as I mentioned, too, there could be, especially with Lucille's, there were three that were made for this particular scene by the prop master. And we've been able to confirm that with the prop master. Um, but that also means throughout the rest of the seasons, there are, you know, could be 30, 40 more Lucille's that are out there. They're all real ones, but they, they were made for different purposes. And so for us, um, as a next step, after we've identified, yes, this is from the production, we try to take the extra step to say, can we identify exactly what scene it was from? And with television, you know, it's a little bit longer. With movies, something you may only appear on screen for, you know, 10 seconds. So it allows us to really sort of go frame by frame to look at it. But especially in high-end items such as a Lucille or the Princess Leia dress, it's, it's you know, it, it's worth our due diligence to go through and try to see if we can screen match it. It doesn't mean that we don't sell items that could be screen matched and we don't identify it. It's just that we don't, we don't necessarily have the time to go through sort of frame by frame on everything. Uh, to be able to do it, but we, we do try to do it as much as we can. Yeah, your catalog is massive for this upcoming uh, auction. How many items in the auction for this uh, stretch for the for this summer? I believe there was 1,487, so we always like to say over 1,450. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty big. And how many people how many people work uh, for a prop store in your, uh, you know, in your city or like in LA versus uh, in England? Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, we've got about 45 people here in Los Angeles and about 30 people in London that work on this all year long. So we, you know, it's a year long process for us to pull together the, those 1400 plus items that are in the auction. We've got to go and sort of scour and, and we may find them one at a time. You know, one collector might have this, one collector might have that, one studio over here has this, uh, et cetera. So we go to all different places to try to find this stuff. I had a quick question for you regarding material of certain props. Um, have you um, gotten anything in where you are obviously familiar with the prop um, and looking at the prop, you thought it might've been like a different material, a different texture. Is there something that has surprised you um, in your curating of all these items for, for auction? Is there something that were just made your, your mouth, you know, your jaw drop, anything that might be different? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it happens all the time that we 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 don't exactly, especially if we've never seen something before. I think we speculate as to how it may have been constructed. So, for instance, we have a Thor hammer from Thor: Love and Thunder, mm -hmm. which is the new Thor movie. I've seen Thor movie, you know, Thor hammers from Thor one, Thor two, but I haven't seen this particular one. And what was different about this one? This one was hollow versus the other ones that they were heavier. This one only weighs about a pound. The other ones weighed about five pounds. And so I, I tried to break down and understand why was this one constructed differently? Obviously, Natalie Portman may not be, Chris Hemsworth may not want to carry around a five pound hammer all the time. So they may have made a lighter version of that. And they may, they, they've 3D printed it, which is a mm -hmm. common process. It doesn't mean it's a replica. That's, that is the process that a lot of companies are using right now, like legacy effects that, that, that would make the Terminator stuff there. Um, they, they, they would have made you know, something like that as a 3D print and then painted it on top of that. So, um, yeah, I think all the time we get things. And the thing to keep in mind also is that materials may differ. So we may see one example that is made out of rubber. We may have another one that's made out of resin, another one that's made out of metal. Um, it's always interesting to us to find out, oh, you know, how many different materials did they actually make this in? Interesting. Very nice.
I actually did see, get to see the the hammer from uh, Thor Ragnarok at an exhibit in Toronto, and it was. Uh, we didn't. I didn't get to. I didn't get to pick it up though, so I don't know. How happy it was. <laughs> you you weren't worthy. I wasn't worthy. <laughs> no, no. But it was Too very funny. cool. Excellent. All right, moving on to our final item. Um, something that. Uh, Lego people are nuts. I'll just say that. And uh, are they? They are. Yes. The the collectibles, as far as Lego, um, it it goes deep. But I didn't these, know that. Oh yeah, absolutely. The items that we selected for this last um, segment here um, are pretty cool to me. I, I think um, I'm going to put the screen up here, but it is a George Lucas minifigure and a Han shot first Greedo Lego. Um, and uh, these are items that I would love, love, love to have. But I was reading a little bit on your website. They are um, rare. And uh, tell us a little bit about these two items there, Chuck. Sure. So uh, first, uh, so the price on these is estimated the, the Han Solo, or excuse me, the Greedo is estimated at 2000 to 4000 The George Lucas is estimated at 8000 to 16000 So I'll even wow. start there. So they, they are very expensive toys, but they're not your average toy. So uh, as is typical in the toy world, uh, there are toys that frankly never make it to the actual market. Um, Lego especially, I think, is known for making some in-house things. These allegedly were made for employees slash people that work in the Denmark office um, and were not necessarily made for public consumption. Um, I don't know if they... I, I don't know if they have George Lucas's permission to use his likeness here for this, but my gut is that they used, you know, sort of their, they made a limited amount of these and, and were never intended for, for resale in that regards. So they are super limited. Uh, I don't know exactly how many were made, but probably not many of them have ever surfaced for public sale. But if you are a Lego completist, if you are a Star Wars figure completist, if you like you know, sort of prototypes and, or uh, as they call them, bootlegs, these would be right up your alley. Um, the George Lucas is fantastic, and then it's got his full beard on it. It's got his gray hair, gray hair, great likeness of it. But he's a Lego, and he's about. Does he, does he actually own that sweater though? <laughs> does he own that checkered sweater? I want to. I gotta. After this show, I have to go and see if I can find a picture we'll of him. Right you it, know, yeah. I'm sure they modeled it after reality in some way, and I don't know. Greedo was wearing down. a. It might be a plaid yeah. shirt, actually. Maybe it's not a sweater. Yeah, I, you know, George likes to be comfortable. He, he's actually he's... blue on the back. So, oh, he, he is. If, okay. If, if there's only the, the uh, design, which is like a red cross, uh, you know, cross pattern on the front, yeah. that is uh, only seen on the front of the shirt there. So, it would be odd if he had an all blue and only had the, the pattern on the front of it. So, now, I doubt Chuck, that is, is there a security guard out. checking your pockets before you leave so that you don't <laughs> put those in your uh, your pocket? Yeah, well, luckily I'm a VP here, so uh, they don't do you're that the, to me. You're the man. Checking them, he's checking them. But so. I, if, if, if something disappears, they come to me. So then, yeah. I, then I have to Charles. For it, Charles, so. uh, you have to check his pockets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm sure Charlie's. Is, is, you know, I think he's all good. I think he's all good. He's, he's got Charlie, his fill of uh, Star Wars action yeah. figures. I'm sure at home already. Yeah. So now, you're Guido. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no yeah. I was going to ask. Um, Heidi uh, mentioned that there's uh, some propaganda on Guido's shirt. Obviously, yeah. the, 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 the fun tongue in cheek controversy of uh, who shot first, Han or uh, Guido. But yeah, um, this, this, this appears to be, it, it says, you know, Han shot first, or 
you know, I think this is a little bit of a, a dig at Mr. Lucas in that the, the special editions clarify who shot first, which was <laughs> Greedo, not Han. But in this case, they are sort of tongue-in-cheek making fun of that, and Greedo is wearing this, this cute little shirt uh, on his figure. But uh, why that doesn't make Greedo worth more than uh, George Lucas, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, not the consummate uh, Lego collector myself, but I think they're both you know, cool, they're unique, especially if you're a Lego mm -hmm. collector. And a Star Wars collector, you're probably not going to get a chance to own many more of these things. Yeah, those are great. Um, you had mentioned that uh, a company in Denmark created these. How many uh, of these particular well, Lego and Lego, Lego in Denmark? I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many? Um, how many Dylan of these Denmark, were yeah. were made? I do uh -huh. not know the exact number of that, and they, so they may not disclose know. it because it was yeah. there wasn't necessarily a print run. It, it may have just been you know some some one-offs that they made for employees. So we don't know exactly how many exist in the world? Not that I'm aware of, no. Wow. Well, we've never what does a, What does Greedo have on the back? Is it just uh, plain? Uh, he is just, it's basically a, a black shirt on the back. And oh, sure, okay. Continue. So not, not too much different on Greedo. It's back. so party in the front. <laughs> party in the front on both of these guys. They spent more time on the front than the back. Wow. I still love it. That's so great. Yeah. That's but they, they're about maybe an inch and a quarter tall. So yeah, you know, it'd be fun with, with George. You could, put, you, could make, you could make George hold like different weapons from Star Wars and stuff like no, that. No, no. George would not do that. He wouldn't. <laughs> he would hold. He would hold. Uh, 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 what's his name? He would hold Han Solo's um, Grogu. Yeah, he loves oh, Grogu. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, I, I don't know if they made a mini Grogu. Most likely not. Maybe George Lucas holding Grogu would be nice, but uh, yeah. yeah. How much? How much would that be worth? Yes, absolutely. Priceless is what that. Priceless. Would be. It would be yep. priceless. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. Hilarious. Chuck, thank you so much for sharing uh, these items from uh, from your auction. Um, this has been such a blast. And uh, Heidi, any final questions before we let? Uh, Chuck, uh, put these things away. <laughs> sure. Um, well, Chuck, uh, I know, I think what Megan told us is you're pretty much finishing up where you are there and then you're going to be moving everything. We are, uh, this is our last day in our offices here. And with all these displays here, we are going to be doing a preview event, which unfortunately is already sold out at the 24th at the Peterson wow. automotive museum, where we'll be showcasing all this stuff and more. So those that have gotten, uh, tickets to that, you know, uh, it's going to be a fun night. We're actually going to have Oliver Robbins there, who was the uh, the kid, Robbie, who was in Poltergeist. And he'll be there to be reunited with the Poltergeist evil clown that we also have in the auction for the very first time in 42 years, which will be quite a scene. Uh, and then mm -hmm. uh, on the 28th, we are doing day one of the auctions from the Peterson Museum. So if you're in Los Angeles, if you want to see what an amazing auction is like, you want to see all the action, you want to see the bidding, you want to be part of it come down to the Peterson Automotive Museum uh, that's, I believe, on Wilshire. At, we're going to be starting the bidding at 8 o'clock in the morning, probably going to around 6 o'clock at night. And uh, you know, join us there. There's no cost for participating in the auction, and it should be a lot of fun. And then the auction continues online on days 2 and 3, which is the 29th and 30th. And anybody, anybody if you can't be here in Los Angeles, you can always bid online. Uh, you can bid over the phone. You can register for telephone bidding. Or you can place absentee bids and the auctioneer will actually place your bid on your behalf as long as you tell us what your high bid is. They'll go head to head with the other people that are bidding in the room or over the phone or online. Absolutely. So cool. uh, Chuck, I was just going to tell you one thing. So the last, when we were interviewing Megan, 
I had someone say, Hey, Heidi, I have, um, I have some items, you know, that I own. And I was like, that's very cool. Would you mind emailing me? Well, this person has probably hundreds of costumes from movies and shows. And they actually told me that they want to open up a museum in Minnesota for Hmm. fantasy and film. And I thought, I was like, I think that's such a great idea. So um, that just came out of the um, the live stream that I did with Bro and Megan. So that was very cool. Nice. Yeah, I think it's cool. Anybody out there, you can start your own museums or your own exhibits uh, mm-hmm. by buying things that are in these auctions, which I think is, is awesome. Actually, I have stuff in my own collection that I lend out for exhibits nice. uh, on occasion, including the, the Marvel exhibit that is going on. Uh, yeah, leaves, that's what he did. Yeah. So he, he has a huge yeah. collection from once upon a time and some other fantasy shows. So he did a, he was showing me, he did an exhibit, but I think his dream is to sort of have like a Debbie Reynolds type museum where he can, uh, have a full collection and charge admission and people can come see these beautiful costumes. That's awesome. And of course we're here in Los Angeles, we've got the Academy Museum. So, which is yes. next to the Peterson. Museum. Yeah. So if you're in town, come check those out. I think these are all great things. And, and hopefully there'll be more museums like the, the Lucas mm-hmm. Museum that's about to open. Oh, um, oh, really? Yeah. Where's that going to be? Uh, it's going to be here in Los Angeles. So Amazing. It, was, it was originally supposed to be in Chicago. It was supposed to be in San Francisco. It landed in Los Angeles. And we hope to see what that's all about. That should be about the narrative word. Uh, so a lot of things from Norman Rockwell's to probably comic strips to who knows what. That is a um, a loss for us here in Chicago. Thank you very much, <laughs> friends of the park. Yeah, no it, kidding. It <laughs> yeah, it's all good. You guys can. It gives you an excuse to come to Los Angeles for Absolutely. not only the sunshine, yeah. but to see. Some and uh, there are definitely a couple of people that uh, are in the chat. There are in Los Angeles, so uh, please mm-hmm. uh, take. You guys should go. You guys should please go. Yeah, Jeff, Show definitely up. check it yeah. out. And they're also on your website. They're like, as we've you've been presenting, they've been on your website. And uh, uh, apparently Dr- there is there is apparently an item from uh, Battlestar Galactica. Someone was mentioning. She said, I wanted to put the link, but I. Uh, yes, I believe we have the Imperious Leaders uh, cloak, if I remember correctly, from this auction. I'm a nice. huge fan of the 78 Battlestar Galactica myself. I've got Same a, here. Uh, yes, absolutely. costume in my office. Dirk Benedict. So. I had a huge crush on him when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say I was a Dirk Benedict fan per se. Well, but I'm sure I love you were in love show. with that. Uh, there were lots of beautiful women. I love the though. Vipers myself. Similar oh, the Vipers. To the okay. <laughs> I just love drawing Vipers and Cylon Raiders all day long. Yeah. It just fascinated me. Yes. Yeah. I want one of the uh, helmets. The uh, uh, I have fire one helmets. in my office. Yeah. You, you come They're, to my yeah. office, I'll show you. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. All right. I'm, book, I'm booking a trip right now. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. It Excellent. lights up and everything. It's very cool. Very nice. Chuck, thank you so much for uh, your time and uh, your uh, discussion. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, tell folks again, you know, when the auction is and what uh, what is the website and all that good stuff. Sure. The Los Angeles auction goes on from June 28th through June 30th, 2023, if you're listening to this later. But uh, you can go to propstore.com. You can see the catalog of over 1,400 items. You can register there and you can actually start bidding now. But the final bidding will take place live with a live auctioneer, uh, June 28th through the 30th. But you can participate online with that live bidding. 
Excellent. Great information. Heidi, thank you so much for uh, helping me have some fun here on a very special Scarif Live show. Oh my on gosh, YouTube. I'm so happy. Chuck, the other thing I was going to say that I've always really enjoyed about your website is you also have past collections, like past auctions. So, mm -hmm. and I was saying to Megan that you do such incredible photography and detailing and it's like almost archival. So it's, it's a really great resource for fans. Even if you're not buying from the auction, like it's a great way to look at very cool memories memorabilia from the years you know no i think it's, it's a great thing if you go to mm -hmm. our website you'll see uh, past auctions but we have a sold archive and you can search for any title or anything that you're looking for so if you're a cosplayer you're looking for a reference of what the original costume might look like you can go there and we've actually had uh, folks that are currently in the industry use our library as a reference as they are making current movies um, because they, they, you know, they know that we've had stuff in the past and they can reference it there. So, so thank you for taking an interest. Yes, we do take pride in the photography that we put on, on the website. We have multiple pictures. Uh, you can, we have a super zoom capability on the, the latest, uh, auctions so that you can get really, really tight, close up, uh, you know, close up pictures, uh, and study the details. Cause we want people to see all the little flaws that helps to authenticate things as well as helps those out there try to decipher how these things are made. Very nice. Yeah. I I always okay. tell uh, I always tell my friends if I won the lottery there will be signs. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of great items that uh, I would love to have, but again, yeah. thank you so much, Chuck, uh, for your time. This has been a blast. Amazing, yeah, thank you so much. Excellent, right. guys. Thank you so much, uh, everybody in the chat. Thank you for joining us on this uh, special Scarif Live. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to go live again on Saturday, but uh, the uh, the future is in flux, as Yoda says. But uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, until next time, that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs>